Hebrews chapter 13. And let's go ahead and stand as we are, of course, physically able. And we're going to begin in verse number 7 this morning and read down to verse number 17. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse number 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are buried without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. And let's pray. Our Father, I pray for wisdom and understanding always in approaching your word to never contradict your meaning, to Never stand before your people and misrepresent your true position. And I pray again for that help and grace this morning. And then, Father, for these your people, that they would receive it. That this would be food for our souls, just as we require food for our bodies. That we would be nourished up in your good words strengthened, that we might indeed serve you acceptably in our lives. And I pray this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. See 
mentioned last week, Hebrews 13 is not a clunky add-on to the book. 
after 12 chapters of doctrinal instruction on who Christ is, what He did for us on the cross, the totality of it versus what was happening under the law, and the eternal security that He has purchased for us. God concluded the doctrinal section of the book with instruction to us to serve Him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. But that is going to look different for New Covenant people than it would for Old Covenant people. And we will note that the pastor uses Old Testament language to describe New Testament activity. I read this entire section because you may have noticed that it is bookended by similar thoughts. There are actually three similar types of injunctions. If you would jump down, for instance, to verse number 24, you have salute all them that have the rule over you. And we will eventually get to that. But verse 17 is an admonition to remember them which have the rule over you. And verse 17 is an admonition to obey them that have the rule over you. And there's a great difference there. But there is also a great consistency. And although I really will not spend much time on this this morning, because verses 7, 8, and 9 are the passage we will be looking at, this is not some kind of open-ended invitation to whatever petty dictator can climb to the pulpit to begin bossing people around and telling them how to live. In verse number 7, he is clearly constrained by the Bible, and in verse number 17, he is clearly constrained by his own impending judgment. But nevertheless, God has used human instruments to convey both his words and his works to his people, And that is not to be taken lightly, and that is, I think, the broader framework here. And again, our passage this morning is verses 7, 8, and 9, although I read them, verses 7 through 17, together, because they do, in a a way, fit together as a unit. Serve the Lord acceptably with reverence and godly fear, even though you are New Testament people. Serve Him in a way that is acceptable in a New Testament context. And of course, we know by now that the book of Hebrews is presented to us in a series of contrasts. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. The New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant. The New Covenant is different than the Old Covenant. We're not coming to Mount Zion, but we are, or we're not coming to Mount Sinai, but we are coming to Mount Zion. We're not going to an earthly kingdom, we are going to a heavenly kingdom. So there's this series of distinctions between that which was Old Covenant and that which is New Covenant. But there is also great continuity. It has always been God's desire that His people worship Him and serve Him. 
He never saved anybody. He never created anybody simply so that they might go off and be the best possible person they could be living their best life now. And so with that this morning, let us turn our attention to verses 7, 8, and 9, which rather than just walk through them 7, 8, and 9, but to deal with them a little bit out of order. The pastor argues in verse number 7 that we are to imitate the faith of true believers who have preceded us. Remember that one of the primary concerns of the book of Hebrews is not just simply that Christ has done these things for us, but that the things that Christ has have done for us enable us to maintain our profession in the presence of very harsh criticism, very difficult circumstances. Things that are coming to us through the direct activity of God who is admonishing us and disciplining us and chastening us. And so we are to imitate the faith of true believers who have preceded us. Remember, call them to mind. Have them in your mind. In Hebrews 11.15, we are told truly if they had been mindful, same word, of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Or Hebrews 11.22, by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention, he brought to mind the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. Remember them that have the rule over you. And one of the things that makes verse 17 or verse 7 different from 17 is that this is a backwards look. To those who have in the past spoken unto us the word of God. Perhaps you would find it helpful in your own notes or your own memory to insert a note here to go back to Hebrews chapter 11. To read the history of those who have borne testimony to their faith. Remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith Follow. Now, not all of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 did speak to us, but Moses certainly did. The prophets certainly did. David certainly did. The pastor has already told us, Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. 
You know, folks, as far as we know, every person who participated in writing a book of the Old Testament lived under the law. It is widely accepted that the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Moses wrote Genesis far before there ever was a law. But it was written by a man who was under the law. And I mentioned that because you will notice that what we are called to do, you are called to look to men like David and Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And you're to imitate their faith. Their faith. These were men who believed the Lord. They related to Him under the law of Moses. But they were men of faith. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Malachi. These are men of faith. We are commanded to imitate their faith. And these are people who have spoken to us. The word of the Lord. And certainly I think the perspective of the pastor, especially in light of chapter 2, are men like Peter. And Paul, because without going back all over it, I don't think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Men who have given us the Bible. Men who have instructed us. Folks, certainly we understand this. That none of us just live in this little kind of world where the only influence on our lives spiritually is the pastor of our local assembly. We get up in the morning and we read our Bibles. Or we read them in the evening. And we are reading the faith of God's good people. And so remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. And if you will just indulge me momentarily a trip down memory lane. You about have to be a product of my generation to relate to this. The word follow there is literally the word that gives us mimic. Mimic, And for some reason, as I was looking at that and thinking about it, I began to remember the mimeograph. Remember the mimeograph? Ah, the beautiful mimeograph machine of my public school elementary classrooms. The mimeograph was an early form of duplicating machine that didn't use a dry process like we use today, but a wet one, and they would come out rather damp, and they gave off a distinct odor, and mimeographed copies were of a distinct purplish kind of hue, and somebody would be assigned to make copies on the mimeograph machine. Duplicates. Be a duplicate of their faith. And we do this for this reason, that we have considered the end of what their life looks like. 
Verse number 7. Considering the end of their conversation, what did happen to men like Moses? Where is Elijah today? These were not perfect men. What of men like Samson and Jephthah? What has become of them? Where would you expect to find them? Think about these people. We're to go back to our Bibles and we're to read the words of the Lord and we're to read the words of the Lord through these people and what they said and to look at the way they lived their lives by faith and we are to copy that faith. And we're to do that in the recognition that even those who lived under the law were people of faith. Because folks, keeping the law saved no one. Not ever. The law could not save anyone. And at this point, I'd like to bypass for just a moment verse number 8 and turn our attention to verse number 9. Verse number 7. We are to submit ourselves to the faith of those who have spoken to us the word of the Lord and to follow it. We are to give good heed to the Bible, folks. It is not just simply a book to read to check off the list for our devotional reading. One more year, one more time through the Scriptures. It is a book designed to instruct us and all of the speakers that you might hear that you would listen to on the radio who are good men that are teaching you the Bible or the books that you are reading that are teaching you the Bible. Follow their faith. But we are made strong with grace and not with meat. Verse number 9. When I look back into my Old Testament and I read about those men most of whom lived under the law, their lives were oriented around very physical features. But we are to not be carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Verse number 9. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So there's a command. Do not be carried about. Do not be led here and there by these diverse and weird doctrines. Don't seek, folks, your spiritual stability in always the pursuit of something new or the latest fad or the latest gimmick or the latest controversy. I still remember, it hasn't been that many years ago, when 
when a guy wrote a book called The Da Vinci Code and the, and the Christian world was appeared to be falling apart. And, and I remember there being conferences about responding to The Da Vinci Code. And I just remember thinking, are we out of our minds? <clears throat> are we going to rise to every bait by every unbeliever? There will always be some theological aberration, folks. There will always be some false doctrine. There will always be something new and glitchy. There will always be some new book that claims to have unlocked some Bible secret. Don't be cared about by strange and diverse doctrines. Don't become a one-string Christian. Just talking with a pastor who is <clears throat> recently who's talking about somebody that had visited his church who had one issue. That was, that was the thing that he was looking for was the one issue. Don't be cared about with strange and diverse doctrines. But it is good that the heart be established with grace and not with meats. Now again, folks, imagine that we are truly Hebrew people and we are genuinely living under the law of Moses and our heart is to do right. We do not approach the law of Moses mechanically, but we approach it in faith and belief. We are solidified and built up and established in our adherence to all of those tangible, material, visible things. Picking the right animal to offer for sacrifice. Getting the quantities right. Getting the dates right. And yet for all of that, there was, the pastor says in verse number 9, no profit to them that were occupied therein. To be a Jewish person, folks, to be a faithful adherent of the law was a time-consuming process. It required much work. It occupied a lot of your time in life. And yet, the New Testament is incredibly clear. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 7, but into the second, talking about the holiest place, went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal or carnal pertaining to the body ordinances 
imposed on them until the time of Reformation. And before we think, folks, well, those were Old Testament people and I'm not an Old Testament person, just think how entrenched we are to this day in being anchored to God by something that is material. Don't eat that. Timothy talks about this. 1 Timothy 4, don't eat certain things. Don't get married. Those kind of material things are impediments to your relationship with the Lord. Or things like baptism or communion. That we are established by these kinds of tangible, visible... Not Look, believing people ought to be baptized. And again, I say, if you're a true believer and have never been baptized by immersion afterwards, you ought to be baptized. But think of the people who think that some ritual that they do can bring to them God's favor. But here's what is good, folks. Hebrews 13.9 It is good that the heart be established with grace. In grace. This is what should be our stability, folks. Not what we eat, but that God has shown us a kindness. That God has given us invisible yet real and supernatural ability to serve Him. God's grace. <clears throat> Hebrews 2.9 But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's grace. We all know that when Jesus sent the disciples off on their ministry, they came back just stunned and amazed that they could give commands to the demons and how this thrilled them. And Jesus said, let me tell you what really ought to thrill you, that your names are written in heaven, that you're the recipients of God's kind grace. Or Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that was passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is good to be established in grace. It was God's grace that caused Christ to die for us. It is God's standing offer that we are invited into His presence to receive grace. Why would we try and build our faith around things tangible and mechanical and visible when we are standing under the reign of God's grace?
Or Hebrews 12, 28, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, shaken, remember, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It is not true, folks, that the grace of God leads to licentiousness and lasciviousness and lawlessness. The grace of God leads to righteousness and holiness. If we are captivated by the fact that God has died to make us free from sin, all in grace, we will be established upon God's kindness to us. So we are to look back to those in the past who proclaimed to us the word of God, who taught us to live by faith, even if they were people who lived under the law. Even if the expression of their faith was through the law of Moses. But our orientation is not the law of Moses. We are under, Paul said, Romans 5, the reign of grace. And it is good for us that our hearts be established there, not with meat. And how then can this be, folks? How can we reconcile those two worlds? And it is because of verse number 8. It is because Jesus is the same yesterday and today. And forever. Yesterday, when there was no law, when there was only Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and yesterday, when the law came under Moses, which gave very definite shape to sin, that was part of its point. So that we could see what sin really looked like to God. And how terrible sin really was to God. and So that we could see clear. I mean imagine folks. And this is kind of a goofy illustration. But, but imagine what a football game would look like. If there were no hash marks or line, yard markers or boundary marks on the field. The law came to give shape to human behavior. Here are the places where God drew boundaries around human conduct. And yet He is the same God. Jesus is the same whether it's the time of Abraham. Jesus is the same whether it's the time of Moses. And he is the same today, yesterday, and today. Today to the pastor was 2,000 years ago when he wrote that. <clears throat> and for us, it is the same 2,000 years later. He is still the same. 
And he will always be the same, folks. Jesus Christ will always be God, holy, righteous, sin-hating, mankind loving. He will always be that. And over the course of human history, we have been instructed to demonstrate our faith in a variety of ways. But we are always only rightly related to Him through faith, our belief, that comes out of His grace, His kindness. Christ is always the same. This is one of the reasons, folks, that, that we can use these, this Old Testament language and apply it in New Testament ways without being contradictory or outdated. God has always been worthy of and demanded human worship. The ascription of value to Him. We listen to His voice and we do what He says because we value it. We, we worship Him. We, we grant to Him those kinds of... Not that He... I mean, you know, eventually, folks, in the great judgment, He's going to, to judge every man. But, but we esteem Him worthy. We want to know what His opinion is. We want to know what He would do. We want to know how He would think about something. This is worship. This is the right way that we do it. He's always demanded that of people. He has always demanded right living out of people. As I mentioned to the guys in adult Sunday school, it doesn't matter whether people are unbelievers or believers, God has always taken the morality of people very seriously. Sexual morality is not just something that God has for His people. It is something God has for all people. He's always been righteous. But there was a time when in righteousness out of faith, you came and brought the best lamb you had and offered it to Him, and we no longer do that. But Christ is the same. Christ is the same. And so our call, folks, our call is to worship God as New Testament people, to serve Him with honor, with reverence, with fear, recognizing Him for who He is and appreciating what He has done for us, delivered us from the power of darkness to the kingdom of His Son. Let's pray.